Exodus 14, 10 through 14. When Pharaoh drew near, the people of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, and they feared greatly. And the people of Israel cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, Is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us in bringing us out of Egypt? Is not this what we said to you in Egypt? Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. And Moses said to the people, Fear not, stand firm, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You have only to be silent. Amen. You can be seated. Good morning, church. It's good to see you this morning. Happy Father's Day, as Caleb said before. I, I want to just tell you, I've had the most unique Father's Day that I've, uh, that I've ever had. And, uh, and, and I, so last Saturday, uh, we're at the, uh, at the dinner table, and it's normal kind of uh, Saturday, Sabbath. We're just having dinner together and uh, talking about the week to come, and, and the meal kind of starts to wind down, and, and I can tell something's going on. And, uh, you know, just that you just, something's going on and you're the only one that doesn't know that something's going on. I just kind of had that feeling. And, and Lindsay kind of says, okay, are you guys ready? Are you guys ready? And the kids are like, yeah, yeah we're so ready. Yeah, here we go. You know, they're excited about something. And I'm kind of looking around like, what in the world is going on? And uh, it, so it kind of builds. And, uh, and Lindsay says, uh, okay, let's, it's time. It's time for Father's Day surprise. Now, I said this was last Saturday. Did you hear me say that? This was last Saturday. And the kids are excited. And I said, Linz, it's not, this isn't Father's Day weekend. <laughs> and she kind of stops for a second. And I mess with my family all the time. Like, just would do that. And, and it really be Father's Day. And I would, just to throw them off, I would totally do that. So I can tell Lindsay's kind of in this moment of, is he messing with me? Or is this really not Father's Day? There's some computing going on. And I said, no, I'm not. This isn't a joke. It's really not Father's Day. So if you want to wait uh, till next week, then fine. And at this point, the kids are like in surprise, excited mode. And it's like, nope, Father's Day in the McDonald household is right now now. So uh, you guys are late to the party. I've been having Father's Day all week. Uh, so anyway, it's, it's, it's been unique in our, in our household. Listen, we're in, a, we're in just a quick two-part series. We're on uh, week two of that. And I, I told you last week, this was uh, a bit of an abnormal. We had kind of a plan set for sermon series and just uh, really, really, really uh, heavy on me last week that we needed to shift directions and, um, and go into the text that we were in last week and that we're gonna continue to be in in, in Psalm chapter 77. So we're, we're doing just this two-part series called A Way Through the Sea. And uh, we just read uh, this morning, Megan uh, read uh, from the book of Exodus, when God's people are up against what looks like insurmountable odds, the sea is before them and the, uh, the armies of the Egyptians are behind them pursuing them. Uh, and Moses says, hang on, be still, be quiet, 
the Lord will fight for you. And we, we kind of just read that anticipation of that moment. What's it gonna look like when there is something in front of me that I can see no way around? What is it gonna look like uh, for God to be faithful? And that's exactly what we're looking at in Psalm 77. And actually, the psalmist in Psalm 77 is gonna go back into the, the story in, uh, in the Exodus narrative. And we're gonna get to that in just a minute. But I wanna just give you a quick uh, run through of where we've, where we've been. This is an intense psalm. So, uh, this is our second week in it. We did the first half last week. This is a really intense psalm. And the, the psalmist is in a moment that we don't know the details about. We, we don't know what exactly is going on, what circumstances uh, that they may be facing. But we know this. We know that whatever they're in has brought them to a moment of intense, intense seeking. And this isn't just a momentary thing. The psalmist describes day and night crying out to the Lord. There is something that is going on that has caused just this deep uh, cry to the Lord. He talks about having sleepless nights, about longing in the day, stretching out uh, his hand at night. And there's just, it's a description of an intense seeking. And clearly there are no answers Whatever that they're facing, there's something in, in front of them where they cannot see a way around. They have no understanding, no perspective, and no way through. And it's caused some intense questions. And I just kind of mentioned last week, man, maybe the Lord has us here in this text uh, because many of you may be in that season or you, you've just maybe come out of it or you're approaching that. But I would say this, all of us at some point, if we want to have a mature faith, if we wanna go deep with Jesus in, in our walk with the Lord, we're all gonna come upon these moments. And it's gonna be unique for every one of you. You may face it in a different way that someone else faces it, but we're all gonna have to come up against these moments where the, the thing that we're dealing with, whatever's in front of us, really challenges our level of faith challenges the, the, the Sunday school answers that we may have had before, challenges come of our, some of our shallow theology, our shallow thinking of God, and kind of puts a situation in front of us that forces us to go into a deeper place. And, and I don't know if you're in one of, that, one of those moments this morning. Some of us get there because of tragedy. Some, some sort of tragedy happens upon us, and it challenges us in a significant way. Uh, some of us come to these moments when, Something in our life takes a very unexpected turn. It's something we didn't see coming. All of a sudden, happens on us, and it and it and it uh, kind of short circuits what we're what we're walking in. And then some of us can come to this place because of some deep pain in our life, something we've maybe wrestled with for a long time, just a deep pain that there's no uh, resolve. And then others of us can come across these moments seemingly out of nowhere, seemingly out of just what you might describe as maybe a dry spiritual season, but you can't, there's no major event. All of a sudden, you just find yourself in this place of, of unrest and going, God, do I really think about you, what I used to think about? Are you really who you say that you are? And that's really where the psalmist gets to. Whatever is going on, he comes to kind of this climactic point in verse 10 where he gives us kind of the, the, the thrust of his, of, of his tension, which is, God, have you changed? God, have you changed? Is my understanding about you flawed? Have I believed one thing maybe all of my life and then all of a sudden I've come up into this moment, whatever I'm in now is challenging me so deeply that the question is, God, are you still who I thought that you were? 
Now that sounds on the surface like a somewhat simple question, but I wanna just tell you, if you are in the middle of one of these moments, it is a scary place to be. Because we've built our entire lives, we've walked with the Lord in a way that we've built everything on him being who we thought he was. God, this is exactly who I know you to be and you fit in this nice little box and when all of a sudden I'm facing something that pulls you outside of that box, God, maybe you're not what I thought that you were. That's a dangerous and scary place because it can undermine everything for us. If everything is built on the consistency of who God is and all of a sudden that's now in question, a lot of things in our life start to become in question. And so this is, a, this is an intense place, but here's the thing that I said last week and I wanna just reiterate to you this morning is that I believe that God allows for us and even leads us into these moments on purpose because he's good. I don't believe that we come to these moments outside of the goodness and love of God. I believe that this is good for us despite how difficult that it may be. And some of you in the, that are in the middle of it right now, you're going, okay, yeah, whatever, <laughs> right? Like you may say that God is good, but I just don't feel that right now. And I just wanna, I just wanna tell you that I, I believe that this is for your good. If you're in that space right now, I believe that God is doing this, allowing this to draw you deeper into himself. And I said last week, and again, just wanna repeat that before we go into uh, our new text this morning, just repeat that, look, in a, in a world that is riddled with brokenness and sin, a mature faith has to go through these moments. We can't just have these cheap little easy answers when we go out into the world and we see the depth of brokenness and evil and sin that challenges a lot of our shallow thinking. If we're gonna live in the world that, that God intended for us to live in, then it's important that we come against these moments. That we allow God to take us deeper and mature our faith through, through these deep wrestling matches. So what do we do when we're in these moments? And, and this is still review. So uh, if you wanna hear, I'm not gonna preach the whole sermon. If you wanna hear that, you can go back to last week. But what do we say we needed to do in these moments? Well, the first thing the psalmist says is that my spirit made a diligent search. And we talked about the necessity last week of us making a diligent search. We need to lean into these moments. We need to come to a place where we can articulate even our own questions. And that's not easy. That doesn't just come just because, man, I'm in this moment. Okay, so what am I really thinking? And now I just know the answer. It takes diligence in the search to go, why am I wrestling? What's going on here? To have conversation in a wise, grace-filled community, to even understand where my own questions lie. We need to make a diligent search. And too often I see us making a diligent search on the internet. We make a diligent search on the internet. We look to social media to feed us responses for somebody else's journey. And we just take what they're saying and make it our own. And that is not a diligent search at all. You are using their answers for your own journey. That is what's called laziness. Don't be lazy in this moment. Lean in and be willing to do the hard work. It is gonna take you a minute. It will not be fast and it will not be easy, but if you will lean in and do your own work, it will be worth it. Now, I'm telling you, I didn't say work alone. I said do your own work, okay? So I don't mean just go off and figure it out yourself, but I mean be diligent to do your own work and bring your community along 
with you. The second thing we said is, that, is look, that we gotta realize that these moments of doubt or deconstruction or whatever you cause them are sacred steps in our journey with the Lord. And you are not there because you're in trouble. You are there because the Lord is good. The Lord invites us into these moments and he is good and he will see it through. God desires for us to walk deeply in a mature faith and so he allows for these moments to come. And then finally we said the third piece of this that we gained from the psalmist here is that we need to voice these moments aloud in community. We need to talk about them aloud in community and when we're asking hard questions about who God is, it's hard to admit that, isn't it? Isn't that what you want to do in the Sunday school class when everybody's giving the good you know, answers? Mark Clark's asking questions and everybody's giving right good answers and you want to go, hey, I actually don't know if I believe that anymore. It's like <laughs> all the eyes of the class go to you. You know, like we, we just imagine how horrible that moment's going to be. If anybody in here just knew what I was really thinking, then there's no way they would let me in here, right? But the reality is that the place in which I think we fear the most in this process is the place we actually need to be the most. That much of that reaction is in our own imagination because we, we, we get afraid of being honest, but this is the very place where we need to be honest about the things we're wrestling with, about the things that we're struggling with. Because, and we said last week, look, these doubts and struggles that the psalmist is having, these are scripture. This is, this is God's word. These questions are sacred. It is scripture. And a community of God's faithful covenant people have picked these words up and used them from their inception to voice aloud their own experience, to voice aloud their own experience and to invite others in. And so we've got to process these moments in community. Amen? So there you go. That was last week. So here we go. What, what happens next? What does the process actually look like? Well, verse 11 and 12 says, I will remember, this is Psalm 77. I think I said that, but just in case I didn't. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your wonders of old. I will ponder all your work and meditate on your mighty deeds. So what's the process look like? Well, the first thing, now remember, this is in the context of making a diligent search. So he's already taken initiative for this process. This is in the context of making that diligent search. And in the context of that search, he says, he gives three descriptive words here in the first couple of verses. He says, I will, what's the word? There it is. I will There you go. All right, you're doing good. You're doing good. This is the kind of church where we can talk back. We can have a conversation. I will remember, that's the first one. I will remember what? The deeds of the Lord. What's the second one? I'm gonna pause and there's gonna be silence and that's where you're gonna fill in the blank. I'm just giving you a little heads up. You guys gonna be good? I will, this is verse 12, I will ponder. (laughs) I will ponder all of your work. So the first thing is, I'm gonna remember. The second thing he says is, I will ponder all your work. And then the last one is, and I will meditate on your mighty deeds. So what are the three words? Remember, ponder, and meditate. Now I want you to just kind of track that progression. So the first thing is memory. This is in the diligent search, okay? Now all three of these words, they have intentionality behind them. 
This is part of that diligent search. He is doing this on purpose. I am going to intentionally set myself to go about this process. And the first thing he's gonna do is I'm gonna remember, I'm gonna remember your deeds. I'm gonna remember your wonders. So he's going to call to mind, remember, the things that God has done. And he's not just gonna call them to mind. The second thing he says is I'm gonna ponder them. Right, I'm gonna remember, so I'm gonna call them back up. These things actually happen. And I'm gonna think about them. The word ponder just literally means I'm gonna think about it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna examine these things. But then he uses another word. So it's, it's just getting deeper. Do you see it? The last word is meditate. So I'm gonna remember, I'm gonna bring them to mind. I'm gonna ponder, I'm gonna think about them, but I'm gonna press this deeper than just my thoughts. I'm gonna meditate on it. So he presses it deep down into the heart level and meditates on it. That meditation is just is about, is a, is a heart thought process. It's not a brain thought process. It's a, it's a heart thought process where he takes what he, what he knows and now he gets it into the heart level. And all three of these things are, being done on purpose. You see why I said a minute ago, this is not a fast process. When we're in these moments, it's, if we don't like being there, and most of us don't like being there, the thing we think we need is to get out quickly. But none of these words are getting out quickly. These, this, is, this is indicative of a process that can be slow. And so he just, he remembers, he ponders what God has done, and then he presses it deep down into the heart level to meditate on it. If this is what God has done, then what does it tell me about who God is? This is the beginning of the process. Why is he doing it? Because perspective for the present moment comes as we review the past. Remember, ponder, meditate. What, remember, what, what are we in? We're in a difficult moment. He can't see his way through. And so what does he do? He doesn't focus in on his specific moment. He backs up calls to mind the things that God has done, thinks about them, and meditates on them. But he's doing so for things that have happened in the past. Now, what kinds of things? Go to verse 13. He says, your way, O God, is holy. What God is great like our God? You are the God who works wonders. You have made known your might among the peoples. You with your arm redeemed your people. Watch this, this is key. You with your arm redeemed your people, the children of Jacob and Joseph. So we're starting to get into our mind as we've kept reading the, 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 the brackets that he's thinking in. So is he pondering, is he meditating the things that have happened in his lifetime? Is he thinking about his story? No. He's gone beyond his story. How do we know that? Because what is he doing? He's talking about God's faithfulness with you with your arm redeemed your people, the children of Jacob and Joseph. He is thinking all the way back to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He is thinking all the way back to God's covenant with his forefathers and the history of God interacting in his family from generations past. He has expanded his view beyond his lifetime to remember, ponder, and meditate who God has been in all generations. The history that he's reviewing is not his own story and his own experience. Now, there's nothing wrong with your story. There's nothing wrong with it. There, and, and, and there is lots of wonderful things that I'm sure as you, as you remember, ponder, and meditate that God has done in your life. 
But the reality is that looking at only our story, only our few years, and trying to figure out what it is that God may be doing, trying to see a way forward by only looking at our story, we're looking too small. And it's gonna be hard to see and discern when the only thing that we're considering is me and my world and my moment. He goes back to the fact that he lives in a long lineage of people from Jacob and Joseph who have been redeemed by the Lord. And when we get in these moments, trust me, I know I've walked in these moments before. When we get in these moments, man, it's like we get tunnel vision. It makes sense, right? The intensity, man, when we're crying out to the Lord day and night, what are we just consumed with? We're not even thinking about our own lifetime. We're thinking literally about this moment. Pain has a way of dialing us in to a very specific moment. In our view, we just get so tunnel vision on this one thing. The problem is when we get so zoomed in, we can't actually see. I wanna do a little test with you. I'm gonna put uh, something on the screen and I wanna just see if you know what's next in the sequence. This should be easy. I'm gonna even sing a song to help you out. So let's get this first slide up here. Let me see. A, B, C, D, what's next? Very good, stop. Very good. (laughs) No, you're wrong. That's not what's next in the sequence. I wanna show you the next slide. You missed it. The next in the sequence is A. A, B, C, D, A, B, C, D, A, B, C, D. Now look, why did you miss it? Because you were singing along with me. (laughs) You assumed that based on what you saw, that narrow view of what you saw, that you knew what was next. The problem was you had too narrow of a perspective. And because you had too narrow of a perspective, you missed the bigger thing that was going on. And this is exactly what I'm talking about. This is why he doesn't just focus in on his own story. This is why he steps back and goes, God, maybe there's something bigger going on. Maybe you are bigger than my moment. Maybe if I step back and and ponder and meditate and think on who you've been in generations way before me, maybe then I will see something that will help me in my moment. We've got to be able to step back, to zoom out. Kids, in your bags, there's a, just a little worksheet full of patterns. So you're welcome. It's summer and I gave you homework. I don't know. Uh, but it is fun because the answers are on the back. So if you get stuck, just, uh, just, you know, there it is. But we can't see a pattern unless we zoom out. And the psalmist here in this moment has the discipline and the wisdom to step back from his moment and to see in a greater perspective. Now watch this, verse 16. When the waters saw you, O God, when the waters saw you, they were afraid. Indeed, the deep trembled. The clouds poured out water. The skies gave forth thunder. Your arrows flashed on every side. The crash of your thunder was in the whirlwind. Your lightnings lighted up the world. The earth trembled and shook. Your way was through the sea, your path through the great waters, yet your footprints were unseen. You led your people like a flock, by the hand of Moses and Aaron. Now, does that story sound familiar? 
What story is he telling? He's telling the story of the Exodus. He's telling the story of the moment that we read from the book of Exodus at the beginning of our service where God's people come upon the great sea with Egypt coming in behind them. And there was no apparent way forward, but God with his mighty hand and his outstretched arm parts the waters that his people might go through and experience deliverance. This is right after Moses says, the Lord will fight for you. And this is the thing that he calls to his mind as he's reviewing the history of his people. This is the moment. Now, where would he have received this information? Was he there? Is he telling the story because he saw it because he was there? No. He's telling the story that he has heard told over and over and over and over again. He's telling a story that has been rehearsed in his lineage over and over and over again. He received this story. The story of the Exodus and of God's faithfulness in generations past, though, is not just their story. Why is he telling the story now? Because it's not just a story that belongs in the past. He's telling this story. He's calling it to mind because it is also his story. He doesn't see himself as distant and disconnected from the testimony of God's great act of deliverance. He sees himself as part of that family. And if that's who God has been then, then maybe it helps me to see who God will be for me in this moment when the armies are behind me and the water is in front of me. You guys tracking? It is his story. Hebrews chapter 12, verse one through three tells us clearly, we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses so that we should also lay aside every weight and sin that clings so closely and run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of God. That great cloud of witnesses is our story. It is those who have been before us, who have walked in the faithfulness of God at different times in history, but with the same testimony, with the same word about the faithfulness of God. And I wanna just tell you that we, it is vital that in these moments where we're struggling, where we're wrestling, that we step back and we connect ourselves to the wider story of what God has been doing in generations past. And so who he was then applies to who he is now and today. Because it's in seeing himself as part of the story that enables him to say what he does in verse 19. Look at it again. Your way was through the sea, your path through the great waters, yet your footprints were unseen. Now think about this in his present moment. Think about what he told us in verse one through 10. How evident were the footprints of God in that moment? In his current moment, how evident is God's work? It's not. That's exactly what he says, that he's crying out, that he's searching, but God appears to be nowhere to be found. He's in this moment of total collapse, trying to figure out how do I go forward? There appears to be no way forward, but as he looks back in the story, in his story to generations past, he finds that God's people have been here before. 
He finds that he's not alone in this moment and that there was a time past where God was looking as if he was nowhere to be seen, where there was a wall of water in front of them and an army behind them. And he says, but then, even though you were unseen, you made a way, so why not now? He only is able to say what he does in verse 19 by understanding and knowing and believing that the same God that led the people out of Egypt is the same God that he serves today. He's claiming his heritage by retelling this story and saying, I am part of God's people. I was there when God led them through the sea. It's the same God today. And so even though I can't see my way through this moment, even though I can't see what God is doing, the same God that led my people, led, led my people, my story through the other side of the sea will lead me now. The pattern that he's discovered by zooming out is not about circumstance. Because how many of you know that in Psalm 77, he's not looking at an actual giant wall of water and there's no army behind them. So he's not discovering in this moment an exact replica of his circumstance. That's not what we're doing. We're not looking for times when someone has been in the exact same situation as us so we know the exact thing that God is going to do next. That's not the point. What is it, though, that he sees as a pattern? He sees a pattern not in the circumstance. He sees a pattern in the character of who God is. Do you see it? By stepping back, he doesn't, he doesn't find what God is exactly going to do for him tomorrow, but he finds who God is. He discovers the character and the nature of God, and he grabs hold of that and says, if this is the God that I serve, then God will be this way for me, regardless of how little I understand my circumstance. He finds a pattern in God's character. And here's what we have to understand this morning, that listen, through the faithfulness of the Messiah, because Jesus did what he did in the cross or on the cross and in his resurrection, he overcame the powers of sin and death and evil. He made them useless on the cross and he rose from the dead. He triumphed over death and he offered to us by his grace, new life in him. He offered to us the opportunity that through the forgiveness of sin, we might come in and be part of his family, which means you and I get by the, by the grace of Jesus, we get grafted into the covenant faithfulness of God. We are into his family. We belong to him. And so the story of the crossing of the Red Sea is not just a story we read in scripture, it is our story as well. The story of the psalmist in Psalm 77 as he faces this moment and discovers in history past evidence of God's faithfulness, his story is also our story. Because we belong through Jesus, we belong to this family. This is why we have to immerse ourselves in the story of scripture. Because this is not just a place that we open this book and we go, ah, oh, here's where I need all this knowledge. 
Here's where I get a bunch of facts. And to be sure, there is wisdom and knowledge to be gained in Scripture. But the deeper thing going on here is we immerse ourselves in this story because it's our story. Because Jesus is Israel's Messiah. Because Jesus was faithful to do all that God said he would do. And because he's done it, you and I get to be brought into that story where this story belongs to us. It is defining to me. The God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, the God that led Israel through the sea, is the God that you and I serve. It is the God that we call Father today. And he is no different today than he was yesterday. He is no different in your moment than he was, than he was in Psalm 77 or in Exodus. It is the same God. It is our story as well. And so we must immerse ourselves in the story of Scripture. But we also have to immerse ourselves in the lives of others around us from different generations. Not only do we need to dive into scripture, but we need to dive into one another's lives. There are countless stories in this room today that are way outside your box and your circumstance of the faithfulness of God. Story after story after story after story. of God's faithfulness. I don't think they would mind me sharing and I'll have to ask for sorries later or whatever that phrase is, but some dear friends of ours um, and someone that just is, has been part of this church for a long time, uh, Darby and Carrie Gleason. Darby was just recently, um, she's 26, and was recently diagnosed uh, with this weird cancer and was in between insurance uh, policies literally to where one was ending and one had started and so neither one of them wanted to take responsibility for the moment. And they're facing a surgery that you have to pay beforehand. And, and look, it just was instantaneously a $23,000 bill. That's a wall of water and an army. And just this weekend, if you tracked it at all, just this weekend, they put that out there and just said to the community, to, to this community, this family that is around them, here's where we're at. And within eight hours, every single dime of that had been provided. Now, I'm telling you that story, it's an incredible story. It's an incredible story. I'm telling you that story because you need to hear it. Because I need to hear it. We need to hear our, each other's stories of God's faithfulness. We need to immerse ourselves in stories of God's faithfulness because it gives us perspective beyond what is our moment, beyond what is our circumstance. And it helps us as we hear of God's faithfulness in your life and in your life and in your life and in your life, as I immerse myself in scripture and, and get to know this great God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, it helps me to make sense of my moment. And even though I may not be able to see the next step that is coming, I have grounded myself in the character of who God is. And I have seen his faithfulness through all of history and in the lives of those that are around me. And so I can lock into who he is for whatever is next. You guys with me? 
We must immerse ourselves in scripture. We must immerse ourselves in one another's stories. Look, read books of people that have gone before you. It will build your faith to read stories of faithfulness from outside of our historical moment, from outside of our cultural moment. Get outside of the box of Western Christianity. Just immerse yourself in all that God is doing globally and in generations past. Immerse yourself in who he has been here. And I promise you that through that process of of remembering, pondering, and meditating, though you may not know what's coming tomorrow, God will give you a great peace about who he is, about his continued faithfulness and that will be the thing that he will build the next step on. So here's the challenge. Here's the invitation this morning. If you are, this is especially if you are in this moment right now and you are tunnel vision, what might God wanna say to you if you just step back a little, if you just step back a little bit, what might God wanna say if you took the focus off of, off of this specific thing that you are working through and as, and as a way of faithfully dealing with the questions you may have, instead of, instead of just focusing on my story, what if you just took a step back and found somebody that's older than you and just asked them about times where they've seen God be faithful in difficult moments? What if you just began to, to just read in scripture? Just, I don't know, wherever, where, start, we've got a Bible reading plan that's literally right in front of you on that bulletin. Start somewhere. And you just began to read of God's stories, of God's faithfulness. What if you step back a little? What might God say if you were willing in this moment to step back a little bit from your own perspective and remember and ponder and meditate on all that God has done. I wonder if there's something that you might see that would give you clarity for what God is doing in your life and the way in which he is going to be faithful in the moment that you are in. Would you stand? I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your wonders of old. I will ponder all your work and meditate on your mighty deeds. Your way, O God, is holy. What God is great like our God? You are the God who works wonders. You have made known your might amongst the peoples. You, with your arm, redeemed your people, the children of Jacob and Joseph. When the waters saw you, O God, when the waters saw you, they were afraid. Indeed, the deep trembled. The clouds poured out water. The skies gave forth thunder. Your arrows flashed on every side. The crash of your thunder was in the whirlwind. Your lightnings lighted up the world. The earth trembled and shook. Your way was through the sea your path through the great waters. Yet your footprints were unseen. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. God, I pray that you would give us eyes to see. God, in this moment where we are crying aloud, 
where we are in this day of trouble seeking you, where our, 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 at night our hand is outstretched to you, where our soul refuses to be comforted, when, when our spirit faints, when we are in these moments, God, would you, would you call to our mind, would you help us as we make a diligent search, would you bring to our mind the stories of your faithfulness, God, would you help us to see beyond our story? Would you help us to realize that the story of your faithfulness stretches way outside of the box of our lifetime? That you have been faithful from the very beginning and you will continue to be faithful now. God, would you give us peace as we seek you? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you need to pray with somebody, you can go to the back. Our prayer partners are there. You can be up here if you want. If this is a time where you just need to lay your face down before the Lord up here at the front, you are welcome to do that. I'd also highly encourage you that if the Spirit prompts you in this moment to pray with the people around you, to seek somebody out, even if they're right next to you, or if the Lord puts somebody specific on your mind to, to move around and to pray and minister to one another. Holy Spirit, would you lead us Amen.